Good evening. You are listening to Three Moves Ahead, and I'm your host, Rob Zachney. Joining me today, we welcome back Three Moves Ahead founder, Troy Goodfellow. Good evening, everyone. We also welcome back, once again, our friend from the Game Design Roundtable, David Heron. Two weeks in a row. This is a fantastic gentleman. And what a show we have for you tonight. Um, tonight, we are going to be revisiting a somewhat forgotten RTS of the, uh, of the late 90s called Dark Reign, The Future of War, uh, which was published by Activision and developed by uh, Orin. And uh, it is a game I remembered uh, not entirely fondly, but absence made the heart grow fonder and then i revisited it so i've had you know it's it's one of those things where i've got this like multi-layered relationship with this game uh based on sort of my first reaction and then like how i sort of reconsidered the game over the years and now i'm actually like playing it again and discovering like all the things i was wrong or right about or just kind of completely misremembered uh but in addition to this we're also going to be talking about sort of what we might call like the golden age of uh mm-hmm. of rts games in in that it wasn't just that there that it was a sort of fresh and and viable genre with with lots of stuff happening but it was also just an era where you could have a lot of rts games um and that era has has most definitely ended uh so anyway gentlemen uh let, let's turn to you and what did you make of uh dark rain well uh this was a game that you approached me a couple of weeks ago and we were a bit surprised that i had actually played it um you know what it didn't the the name uh was was there in my head and and i had to take a look at screenshots that sort of put it to a game um, it was a game that I think I I, I had I played uh, back when it came out. I was uh, in high school, and I'm going to be ashamed. I'm going to shame myself right now. Uh, it was also right around the time when uh, writable CD-ROMs became available. On and if you knew someone, you could start playing a lot of games for unfortunately zero dollars. Um, and as I played it. I sort of stopped and I looked at the 1997 that it came out and I started thinking, Rob, given that Age of Empires, Total Annihilation, Myth, all came out around this exact same time, why are we talking about Dark Reign? Uh, in some ways, it is because I view it as sort of one of the most interesting boilerplate like pieces of genre work. Right, like we've we've right. talked about all those games. Everyone remembers those games. Everyone remembers like mm-hmm. these seminal ear, these, these seminal moments in like RTS history. Um, I'm not sure we've ever actually done the Myth Show, uh, though it is it is something I've it's definitely been on my wish list for for ages and ages. Mm-hmm. Uh, but these are all games that like loom really really large both on this show and in people's memories. Right, what tends to get forgotten mm-hmm. a lot is just you know the the the. You know, for uh, I hate to put it in like a a numerical review format, but like the seventy fives to the to the eighty fives, right? Uh, sure. Those games end up getting forgotten, but in some ways, they're like the best representation of what a genre looked like at at a given moment. All right, well, th- that's uh, that's interesting. So I put I put in uh, I'd say about six or seven hours over the course of a couple of long train rides to jog my memory and. Uh, and let's get to talking about it. Troy, <laughs> what did you think? 
I barely remember Dark Rain until I started playing it again. It's a game I, I touched a little bit uh, back in the 90s when it came out. I didn't like it very much then, probably because, as you said, Dave, there are there are so many other better RTSs uh, that came out that year uh, and even the year before. Um, it is not an attractive game. It is not an easy game. Um, it, I'm not even sure it's a fun game, but it does have a few interesting things going for it. Um mm-hmm. It, it is, for example, it only has the two factions, which uh, was at a time when a lot of RTSs were trying to branch out and have three or four different factions. It only had the two. Um, you know, there's the the very cleverly named Freedom Fighters, how original, mm-hmm. who are the light, agile, uh, ambush, the they rely on speed more than anything else uh, to win the battles versus what the Imperium or the Imperia, it, the Imperials. Yes, it is something. It is something it else. Is the doubly, Freedom Guard versus the Imperium. Yes, something else doubly original. Uh, who will rely on you know strength and armor and hit points and just brute power. Uh, it has so we have the two factions, but they are roughly they're a little bit asymmetrical, which is which was kind of nice to see uh, way back then, that had uh, infinite resources. Um, it didn't have, you know, mines that depleted mm-hmm. or forests to cut down. They had little green blobs and little blue blobs. So the, the blue blobs were water. The green blobs were things, gas of some sort, uh, which powered your factories. Um, and it wasn't a resource you spent. It determined how quickly you could do things, which is an interesting spin on resource management. Um, it had, you know, the, your basic little upgrade system. It was not kind of, kind of command and conquer-ish. You know, you'd upgrade your buildings, and then you'd have access to better weapons, better toys. The infiltrator unit, which we can talk about uh, a little bit, because I think is actually one of the more one of the few really clever things uh, going on in Dark Rain is the infiltrator thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it is. It is a game with very very tight maps. It's uh, before we. It's. Similarly, in mean, 97, we also have kind of the birth of RTSs looking at, um, you know, random maps or maps based on certain templates. And here we have, you know, map design based on a strict campaign. Uh, the maps really aren't that random. They're really tightly squeezed in. Uh, there's geography. There's the pathfinding is very, very important and not very good uh, in the game, which is another thing with classic RTSs. Your units never knew where the hell they were supposed to go. Uh, and that is a big problem in Dark Rain. So it has, a, it has a few elements of you know creativity and originality, but it comes down to it's it's just an ugly, brutally boring game to play, I think. But I think Rob is right that it is in many ways emblematic of the RTS of the mid to late 80s because there were so, so many of them. I mean, I look at the list uh, here in front of me that I just forgot about entirely crush kill uh, I mean, and destroy anyone oh oh kknd come on crush kill and destroy war wind uh gene gene wars zed or z if you're american <laughs> the video zed the video Wait, game. z the one I with mean, the with the robot drill sergeant or was that yes kill is, and destroy? that 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 is that is zed zed uh, KKND was uh, was the post-apocalyptic. It was mutants versus humans. Okay. So you had all of these RTSs coming out in the mid to late 90s, and I think Dark Rain does capture both 
kind of where the RTS was going to go with some, you know, creative asymmetrical stuff going on, uh, lifting a bit from the Command and Conquer template in places where you would have the Command and Conquer series would continue on. Uh, and also just in many ways a foot firmly in the past with, you know, the really bad pathfinding and the blockiest graphics uh, I mm-hmm. think I've ever seen. Um, so, but it, I, I'm kind of glad that when this is for people who argue about this, was a, this was a, a Patreon voted topic, right, Rob? Uh, yeah, and it, it, I think it beat out some of the games we've, we've already mentioned uh, just now. So for whatever reason, oh, this game sort of loomed a We're little bit in, larger. Uh, which I think is some hate. <laughs> which I think sure. is kind of cool. Which I think is kind of interesting. Some people either have heard of this game and uh, remembered fondly, mm-hmm. or have heard of it and wonder what we think of it because it does stand. It has you know a foot in 1995 and a foot in 1999, and then the RTS yeah. dies. So I, I I think you know you you sort of went down the bullet list of all the bad things. And I just want to dig into a couple of them. I think you're totally right about that blockiness. Um, uh, I think that at the, around the same time, Total Annihilation came out, and that's probably arguably a more blocky game. Uh, but I, at least at the time, and now when I look back at it, it sort of had like a a style, like it had like a, a an aesthetic, which was sort of I think it was required because of the innovation that they had in the number of units yeah. and if you recall like you could actually like lot use your modem to download new units like it was so ahead mm-hmm. of its time um whereas you know i think that it actually is you have, a pretty you know that may that i mean a number of units is not an issue in dark rain it is you know no so, yep. no and i think that it actually becomes like a big deterrent because one of the yep. things that it tries to do and you alluded to your pathfinding is um, one of the the, the 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 asymmetries, I think, or at least you know the one that they sort of propose is the Imperium. So that was the heavy unit. So they had that their their main unit, or at least the main unit I used was their plasma tanks, their plasma hover tanks, and the hover is their sort of mode of travel whereas the the freedom guard have a lot more of the the ground units the infantry and the reason why this is successful or the reason why this is at least purportedly important is um the sort of the innovation in this game was a more complicated at least at the time fog of war that was heavily tied to the terrain and the terrain was tied to the movement type so the higher you were the further your line of sight could see uh, your line of sight and and thus the god the the fog of war will be blocked by uh, map features that were you know high the hover tanks could not cross these, but they could cross water, whereas the the ground-based units, the walkers, they could climb up these high slopes and sort of, uh, I guess, in theory, do a lot of scouting. Now, in practice, I never did a lot of that. What was your? Maybe I was just bad at the game or wasn't playing at a level that it really mattered. Uh, what was your interaction with with that mechanic? I didn't do a lot of scouting either, and I think maybe mm-hmm. I'm not a very I'm not very good at dark rain. I'll say that. Mm-hmm. Maybe if I scouted more, I might have been better. Uh, but mostly, I would scout by sending a whole bunch of army units out. Yeah. <laughs> and whatever they would run into, they would shoot. Uh, you know, very traditional uh, way of fighting in an RTS. Nothing too elaborate, uh, nothing too stealthy or sneaky. Though, you know, they do have a scout unit. Uh, at least the mm-hmm. Freedom Guard have a, have a scout unit. Uh, yep. And it is, I'm not sure it has a larger line of sight than the other units. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's faster. 
or something. Yeah, uh, uh, I'm not too sure. And the Imperium have a drone as well, yes. so they can they can scout as well. But but you yeah, know, the, the, the fact that they that you know one side can send everything it has to almost all the terrain, and the top and the other side can cross water. Um, that's a very small distinction, and I think they may have intended that to have some really great strategic power. Um, but it really doesn't. I mean, the uh, the Freedom Guard, they can also build bridges. Uh, right. I don't remember building a whole lot of bridges uh, because they, have, they never build the maps really that often where you really, really need to have that Julius Caesar in you and cross the Rhine. Uh, they generally give you a, another way around. Mm-hmm. Um, if you can establish you know, your forward bases with your laser units uh, and grab as many phosphine gas things or whatever they're called uh, so you can keep so the the more gas you have or the faster your turrets fire there's it's really a neat little thing I mean, yeah mm-hmm. I mean, they're, they're, they're all these you're right that this that line of sight thing, and I never did a whole lot of scouting no. uh, and maybe that and that maybe that's why I'm awful yeah see this is one of the things that I remember you know kind of distinctly about the game was that um i i feel like the things that preceded it uh and, and to an extent even some of its contemporaries were very much um build and rush rts's almost universally yes uh like that yes. entire era was about like you just sit at home build up and then you bum rush and if you have a good enough production pipeline you sustain it longer you win uh, mm-hmm. what set dark rain apart was this idea that like it wasn't just that it, like it it had um a dynamic fog of war so it wasn't just like a shrouded map but you have like line of sight and stuff like that but it was a little more mm-hmm. it was a little more granular uh than a lot of line of sight systems you found in rts's of the time you know like as you as you watch your units move around you constantly see like you know fr- like slivers of the map being revealed and sort of being shrouded again uh, as your units move around forest, uh, move around hills, and so this this idea that um, seeing into the map, getting getting good current data uh, was was a little harder in this game, but also potentially more rewarding was uh, re- really attractive to me. And it's actually something I remember it sort of setting apart, setting itself apart from a lot of its contemporaries, which were very much this, well, it doesn't really matter what's out there. You just need to have an idea of which direction basically to send your mob of troops, uh, which is very mm-hmm. much the, uh, the the total annihilation uh, you know, mm-hmm. stance, which t- total annihilation had a lot of these features, but total annihilation was such a big, you know, everything in the kitchen sink type of RTS uh, that a lot of times, like, you know, did line of sight really matter that much in total annihilation? Uh, maybe for your long range artillery, but if you built enough of those, you'd spam shots and blind fire. Uh, you know, it was kind of no mm-hmm. stopping it. Uh, this was more of a game where, like, uh, Gathering intelligence played a little bit more of a critical role, and I think it was—I think it plays an incredibly critical role for the um, uh, for the Freedom Guard because uh, they've got—I think was it like the Hellfire artillery. Um, uh, they yes, they have they have the um, the Hellstorm, the Hellstorm, Hellstorm artillery. Yeah, I mean, but the 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 Imperium have the the Scarabs, which I think are more po- more powerful. I mean, so so that it's funny that you. You played that way, and I'm wondering is if it is because you played more of the Freedom Guard, and I certainly was just, I think I went with the Hammer and went with the Imperium. And so for me, my games were pretty much the same way as I played Command & Conquer, where I just sort of like 
picked one type of unit or like a victory condition i'm like ah actually more like how i played red alert where it was like well okay I'm, this is the time where i'm just gonna build all these planes and try to see if i can win this way and i had that with the the scarabs where i could like you could constantly fire and sort of had this like creeping death mm-hmm. or i played uh or 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 i you know i played the the game where there are super weapons just like all you know all rts's had super weapons at this time like it was a box you had to check and and i had uh the the imperial had um uh it's like a lightning no 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 uh i think it was like a the it was like this uh vortex of destruction uh, is the rift creator that's what it was and it you could put it anywhere you could see and so like you sort of like just sent your your freighters your resource collectors into the middle of their base and you and you <laughs> you use the superpower um and you just you just you know you can you can sort of use that to to win and and for me it was um there wasn't a lot of 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 cat and mouse there wasn't a lot of like army composition it was really just push forward um Although I was playing, you know, I, I, again, I'm not that successful, but uh, that was how I approached it. Yeah, see, that's that's interesting. I think, um, so I will admit, like, encountering this game now, it isn't the game I, I remember playing to an extent. Because mm-hmm. I remember it being more of a game of cat and mouse. I remember, why did I, like, why did I have this weird, like, fixation on the, uh, the Hellstorm artillery? Uh, it's because you can move them around a lot. Uh, and you could yeah. sort of be you could sort of be uh, harassing constantly, and as long as you keep sending little uh, scouts in there and getting line of sight, uh, you constantly just have this like artillery barrage flying in from all directions all the time. It's really cool. Uh, so right. I remember it in its era as being a game that was not entirely it was, it was a little different. It was less of a uh, build and rush uh, RTS than a lot of its contemporaries. Playing mm-hmm. it now, I'm like. What should I do in this game? I guess I'll build and rush. Like that's it, it's, yeah. it's it's kind of a weird thing because like I can see the things that I latched onto when I played it before. Um, there's like the the, the martyrs uh, you can send out there in the early game uh, to to sustain some some really good like anti infantry harass and and stuff like that. Uh, there's there's a lot of things that I remember like using and using extensively uh, in in mm-hmm. Dark Rain, uh, but at the same time. What I'm finding is working really, really well is uh, build a shit ton of like high rate of fire units and a shit ton of like high damage units. Yeah. Uh, send them in, and those two values will pretty much clean house. Uh, and, yeah. I, and I'm wondering, like, is part of it just at this point, RTS conventions are so much more familiar to all of us that like we don't screw around with stuff like this, right? We sort of look and like, okay, what's the, what's the path to victory here? But like in the late nineties, and this is why everyone like, this is why like every RTS in that era had to have kind of its little hooks, right? It was, it was like, here's what units you'll have. Here's, here's what this thing's, you know, cool ability, cool, cool thing. Um, and what it leads to, I, I think is when we are encountering these games sort of in their time, in their place, you played with them a little more. You like played with the toys, you know, the things that are oh, in the sandbox so. with you. And now you encounter it and it's like, all right, how do I get through this mission? And then you just click that little button as many times as you can uh, until the queue fills up. And then you do that again like 50 times. And then you just, mm-hmm. uh, you just attack, move across the map. 
Yeah, right. Um, I think I, I and I think you're right where you played the toys, right? Like right, right on the. I think it's the basic infantry, and uh, maybe a few more units on the freedom guard side. They have the, the like the like burrowing ability. The the going underground ability, and uh, I, or am I am I totally off? No, no, no. There's an, uh, the the phase transport. The phase train, oh, right? Yeah, so that's yeah, a, yeah. They, they the unit that was right? awesome. Totally never. I never figured out how to make it make a damn bit of difference. Sure, but but it, it's this idea, uh, listeners, where like you can have these these units and you can use their their phase ability and they 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 disappear, they hide, and and I suppose what this is supposed to do is set up you know brilliant ambushes, um, but. I I I wasn't able to sort of bait the the computer into into uh, any sort of uh, uh, into any sort of ambush, and um, you know we didn't play this against each other, so um, maybe it was valuable in PvP. Although I can't really imagine many people playing this multiplayer when Warcraft Two was out. You know, see that's weird because like. It's 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 a it's a weird thing because definitely this was a game that I feel like by then Warcraft Two was already kind of passe, wasn't it? Like by I'm by mid ninety seven, it's like what uh, else do you have for me? What's the new hotness? Uh, and another expansion came out. I I I don't know. I mean, I I I got stuck in in playing Defense of the Ancients, so I'm I'm that was a it was just a game that everyone had, right? Um. But even then, like, uh, you know, I played so much Age of or Age of Empires too, right? So, yeah, I mean that. I mean, definitely. Like, so that comes out at the end of that year, mm-hmm. and that's sort of that. What's what's the way to put this? It sort of feels like Age of Empires came out later that year, mm-hmm. and immediately crushed every game that was like this. Because what it's doing is close yeah. enough to the familiar RTS formula from, you know, Command and & Conquer and stuff, except it does a few things different. Um, it goes for a huge construction focus. Uh, focus. Um, it's, it's, it's beautiful uh, for its day. It's got a brilliant marketing campaign behind it. Uh, so it's just bigger. It's prettier. Um, and it's just more, it captures the imagination more effectively uh, than a lot of the things that were around in this era. Uh, plus, in a lot of ways, it figures out how to smooth off a lot of these rough edges. Like, okay, so here's the thing about Dark Rain. Uh, Dark Rain has a ton of, like, unit stance settings and such. Like, Dark, like if you, if you, sort, of, if you sort of go into the right-hand pane on the Dark Rain uh, interface, uh, there's a lot of little buttons there. And one of the things Dark Rain lets you do uh, is set up a pretty, for this era, sophisticated behavior for your units. You can you can set a lot of like rules of engagement, stances, postures, waypoints, all this stuff. And actually, it's done in this really clear, like, yep. here is the thing you are doing. Here's the button that says waypoint. Set it. All this stuff's going to become hotkeys later, but here it's kind of new to us. So it's mm-hmm. all there. It's, it's laid out in front of you. And then Age of Empires comes along and, and I just kind of absorbs a lot of these, these lessons. Uh, but then it also wraps it in a much more attractive and exciting package. And, and crucially, also a package that is very friendly to people who aren't good at RTSs. 
Um, and has and and has uh you know a dozen or you know 10 or I don't remember how many but it was it was closer to a dozen than it was to 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 half a dozen anyway uh civilizations right so um there yeah. was a lot of 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 room there to play uh which which I think we can't be ignored uh, I think I think the limited scope of dark rain the limited number of units the limited uh, number of factions. Um, I played through a little of the single player, and then and then did a peaked online, and like it's a very very short campaign. Um, I I just don't think there was that much game, so I think you're right. I think it probably fits right into that. That I think you're being generous at saying eighty. I I, I really think that this is a a three out of five, mm-hmm. um, a three out of five game, which at the time had a three out of five budget but was in a market where that was okay. Yes. And and I think that's the thing that 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 changed. Um I'm not going to pretend to to be able to point to the to the to the reason or the the time frame uh but somewhere along the line that's just stopped being okay. I really should have looked through my computer games magazine archive to see if this got reviewed and if I have that review. I have all of these boxes of magazines that I was going to give to Rob, but now he's too far away. Uh, and I, I do wonder what scores it did get at the time and how it was received. I guess we could have done some research, but that's just not like us to do research. Well, our research is <laughs> playing uh, this game. Like, our research yeah. playing, yeah. Hours and hours trying to play this game. And it took me a while to actually get it to work because if you download it from GOG.com, you actually need to apply a pack. You need to rewrite the batch file to start it yeah on some computers oh wow uh and you have to so that it disables explorer uh when it starts otherwise you get really funky colors uh but you're really bad and uh so gog should really fix its uh startup menu once i found out how to fix the batch file that's great um so it took me a while to actually figure that out otherwise i thought wow this is even uglier than i imagined no no it's just a broken batch um but yeah, lots of time playing this, and I, I'm just trying to, you know, contextualize. It. I mean, this came out in August, and then we have, in the next three months, you have Myth, Toll Annihilation, and Age of Empires, which mm-hmm. you know just completely. I mean, this doesn't come out after those. Or this this was comes out immediately mm-hmm. before three real time strategy, real time tactics games that just change everything. Just like instant legends. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so this is comes out at a very unfortunate time. Did did you did anybody mess around with the sequel, the expansion pack, Rise of the Shadow Hand? No, I did no, not mess I with didn't the even bother. Pack. I didn't either, but it's. I, I'm curious as to see whether it improved, uh, whether it changed anything, um, whether it got any better looking. I doubt it would have because it's just an expansion, um, but. I mean, I'm curious as to see how, how how the game changed in the expansion because you know if not long after this, people expansions would actually not just be more things to do within a game, but I mean, you look at you know, Age of Empires, its expansion added entirely new factions, mm-hmm. entirely new strategies, so, and yeah. this one did not do that. 
So, so I, I, I did a, I did a, I, I looked into it. I didn't play it and bother because I frankly didn't want to play it. But, um, so the Dark Rain expansion, Rise of the Shadow Hand, was, you knew it was an expansion. It wasn't the regular game on the box because they painted it red. It was Isn't the that exact amazing? same. It's just amazing. And what's more amazing is that it boasts, uh, two new races or two new factions, except that those factions, Basically, they just take the same philosophy and they put it on the existing one, uh, sort of according to sort of the write-ups um, that I read. It's uh, the one faction is just Freedom Guard and the other faction is just uh, the the Imperium with uh, with a few different um, uh, buildings. So it is not it wasn't not particularly. Uh, yeah. No. So, I mean, but um, this is. I mean, this is one of the themes that that I know you've brought up a lot in just conversations we have outside the show, uh, David, which is that, like, I mean, on the one hand, this whole era produces a lot of forgettable stuff. Like, yeah. Dark Rain, I think, like, and, and like, uh, I'll still say, I think Dark Rain is, is perfectly fine. There's still, there's still actually a couple things I think that are really cool about it that, uh, that I'll bring up in a second. Uh, but... It it produces, in addition to sort of a, a bunch of like genre changing games that come out over the course of this of this year, um it's also in this landscape of tons of, of games just like Dark Rain. You know, a couple simple factions, crude graphics, uh people going to school on on Command and Conquer, on Warcraft 2, on on Dune. Um and the thing is it was okay to not be like an amazing genre changing game. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't even like it was like, this is not only, this is almost an era where it's, it's not quite at that point where Pete, like people are just buying games that get like the editor's choice and everything. Like P like it was, it was an era where you'd be perfectly okay. If you were into RTS games and like, you see a thing like <laughs> you think you see a thing like Z, you see KKND, right? You see dark rain. Like, yeah, you know, it, it's not getting amazing reviews, but it's, it's also not crap. And you'll, you'll take a flyer on it. Even though in that era, these games were expensive. Like these were, these were expensive mm -hmm. things to get, but it was like, basically it was okay to be a perfectly average game right like it was per it was okay to be a perfectly average genre strategy game um and like mm -hmm. within uh you know actually i think sort of after the uh the crop of of, of like genre greats we mentioned it stopped being okay pretty quickly toward the end of the 90s right and into the the, the turn of the century uh where, where suddenly like a game like dark rain later soon it's not even going to get made like games like that are going to vanish. Yeah, uh, but sure. th those that make it out are just going to get destroyed. Yeah, um, you know, and I, and I wouldn't even necessarily say that it, that it was just. Um, actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna put out there it wasn't just uh, it was strategy games too, right? Like the the first person shooter market was the same thing. Like Rise of the Triads, you know, Rise of the Triads, Blood, Hexen. Um, they, you know, there were all these, uh, these, these games, uh, that sort of came out that I, you know, I think a lot of them maybe were, were they based on Quake? I don't know. I wasn't into de development at that point, point. I'm certainly not a historian, 
but I just played a lot of games and a lot of them weren't great. Um, but I think the, the, the bar hadn't been raised yet. And so even, uh, or, or that the, the bar had been like, there was, there was such a, uh, the strata, the, the, the difference between, uh, in the in the in the third first person shooter realm like the difference between rise of the triads and dark forces was so large um that there was only one dark forces every couple of years and i think the same the same thing happened um with with you know bungie creating creating myth i don't think anyone was going to create and and put in the time and the effort to create a game that was going to to rival myth and I think that's that just continued. Um, and now today we see um, only a few people really like taking significant risks and strategy, right? Like I would say, um, Eugen might be. I, I don't. I and I and I'm. I I am. I hope I'm not sort of like speaking ill of a, a company that's gone out of business. I'm, I I think they're still around, but th- like. They put out some good stuff. Like Ruse, I think, had a lot of good stuff going on there. Um, you know, 2000, 2010, which is very late to be making an RTS. Um, and then with the war game stuff. But I'm not particularly sure that, like, given the quality of the products that they came out, they're really reaping the rewards that one would expect. Um, no, I mean, same thing with, like, maybe, like, the Grey Goo people. Uh, I, I totally have uh, forgotten their names. Life. Right. Yeah. I mean, those are both, I mean, those are certainly like the go-to uh, three examples, we, you know, here on 3MA of like, boy, it would have been nice if that had done a little better, right? Like, it would have been cool. Like, I mean, it, it pissed me off at the time that like Ruse didn't get its due as like a really interesting and different RTS. And, and so, it always felt to me, to, to some extent, a side effect of the RTS genre sort of consolidating uh, and and sort of narrowing to just a handful of like viable franchises from like two or three developers. A side effect of that was if your game didn't look like those other games from these people that like were trusted names in the genre, um, you were subjected like to a level of scrutiny and like confusion. Like you you were subject if you either received apathy or extra scrutiny. Uh, it was it was this weird thing, right? It's like the people who a lot of people aren't even like Ruse is never going to make it onto anyone's radar, uh, and those that do sort of pay attention to it are immediately going to be looking at it in this really, yeah. But how does it stack up to the Starcrafts and the Warcraft threes and the uh, you know whatever the fuck Command and Conquer is doing at this point at that point in history? How does it stack up to those? Um, so it's 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 become a it's it's become a weird thing where. It sort of feels like. All right, let me let me let me let, let, let me posit something. You guys can tell me whether or not mm-hmm. you agree or disagree. One reason that you have this like series of smash hits and like truly great games in the RTS genre around this time is because you have a marketplace where it's okay to just be average. There's a bunch of things happening in the space at this moment. Um, the RTS genre isn't just, oh, I'm in the Age of Empires. It isn't just, I'm into Warcraft. 
it's this whole thing that runs this gamut from like Warcraft 2 to Age of Empires with a lot of crappy <laughs> discount sci-fi games uh, in between. And do you think do you think we get those classics in part because there's this like robust base of just like you know <laughs> a lot of a lot of middling games and a lot of developers getting experience making them? Well, I well, think have to, I think you have sorry. To go think, ahead. You would have to think so, right? You would have to think that first people know that there's a market for it, encourage people to experiment in it. More games are being made, more things are being tried, um, and then you end up having uh, some successes. However, then things run out. If you know, if success, if if mediocrity leads to successes, shouldn't successes lead to even more successes? And yet somehow the RTS market ends up dying down through probably a change in taste, change in markets, change in God knows what. Um, but, you know, the elements of genius are, you know, still there bit by bit. But then, the, I mean, you look what, to go back to Yugen, right? It makes Roost, makes all these war games, and then they go back and do active aggression, which is not a good game at all. But it's a very traditional RTS. Well, they did and just pre- reboot it. Yeah, well, we'll have to go back and check that out then, I guess, sometime. Uh, yeah. And uh, we mentioned Petroglyph. We did amazing stuff with Grey Goo. The next thing they do, 8-bit armies, uh, pixelated, blocky, command and conquer thing, which is easier to play. Uh, because this great genius game didn't sell very well, so they're doing something that looks cute and plays like everything else. Um, so there's... I kind of wonder what happens. Where um, is success rewarded at all? I wonder. So, so I, I, I think, I think obviously success is is rewarded, and but I think that it also it raises that bar. Okay, so I think uh, in 1997, 1996, because I think set 1997 might be the end of the end of it. And I'll, and I'll get to. I'm gonna gonna pose a, th- a couple of theories for you. It it allows someone to take a risk when the cost and the belief, like when you're sitting there and you're saying like, you know, uh, maybe it's just a coin flip. And I think whether or not you're going to be successful, I think that allows people to try a bunch of new things. But in 1997, things things started changing. And then 1998, I'm going to say that there was a nail in the coffin for the RTS. So 1997... We see not only those releases of Myth and, and, and what we said, we also see the release of Final Fantasy VII. We also see the release of GoldenEye. Uh, we also see the release of Castlevania. Um, and what I'm getting at is I think this was there was, a, there was a shift in the market. The When the next generation of consoles really started taking off, I think we saw uh, a pretty significant shift in what was going on Japanese games really started making a comeback it's when you saw uh, Resident Evil started taking over uh, JRPGs just blew up and that sort of became the thing where there was a lot of like middling garbage Japanese role-playing games on the PlayStation that sold really really well and then 1998 you had Starcraft and I think that just ate everything that was left and I think that that set the bar to a place where I don't I don't think really the 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 success of that game may have kind of destroyed that 
that genre, um, at least in terms of mainstream, uh, being able to go in like how like you know there are a bunch of games that came after StarCraft that like I feel really strongly about like Homeworld, um, but I'm I'm not sure that they were particularly well received commercially. Uh, yeah, I'm not like I think my impression of Homeworld is always like it did well. Um, they put Relic on the mm-hmm. map and and did well enough for them to sort of continue uh, making RTSs. But like I think, kind of their big breakthrough moment is Dawn of War. Um, yeah, where the, where it's finally someone is making a Space Marine RTS. Um, I, I I I guess I think like like yeah and 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 so so basically I think that the games industry the same people that were making those risks on the RTS genre maybe started pivoting because in the next few years what it meant to be a successful game or what the rules on investment and the expectation of return on investment changed entirely right like once Tony Hawk Pro Skater came out. All Activision was looking at was saying, well, why can't we just make another one of these? Like that became the mark of success. And, you know, the idea of funding Dark Rain just doesn't make any financial sense for them. Yeah, and it's wild to think about like Activision used to be a producer that dealt in massive volume of a lot of like yeah. genre games that weren't particularly distinguished. But like, you know, it, it was just what you sort of associated Activision with and I yeah I think that's part of it I think I think between I think between Starcraft and because the way I remember it follow like working out through to like 2000 is that after 97 uh it sort of felt like you're a Starcraft player or you're an Age of Empires player sure. um, or you're someone who's really into RTSs in which case you keep playing other stuff but in terms of like you know it, that's the Coke and Pepsi choice uh, for the RTS genre yeah. for, for the next couple years and I, I, I think there's something to that that it kind of it kind of ate the market um, and it also put everything on this footing of uh, people are now waiting for the next installment of those big franchises and they're like mm-hmm. those are on people's radars and they'll hold that that'll hold them uh you know between RTS purchases in the meantime they're probably starting to get into uh other stuff there, there's something else i think that uh that starts to feed into the death spiral of RTSs in this era uh mm-hmm. and this takes us back to dark rain there's a dark rain too um and dark rain right. 2 is a really ambitious like you think when when I say the phrase like peak 3D accelerator and like aesthetic thing <laughs> pop into your mind, like that's Dark Rain too. Like it is absolutely a product of like, okay, so we need a game that's going to really push your voodoo extreme uh, to yeah. to its extremist limits. Um, and the thing is, Dark Rain and a lot of its contemporaries, Z, uh, KKND, they're all perfectly fine. In their era, they, they, they're not viewed as crap, despite the fact that if you look at them, they're very, they're very pixel arty, very crude, very blocky, uh, very kind of ugly and drab. Um, mm-hmm. The only splashes of color really are on the units themselves. Um, and that's okay. Like, you can, you can do that, you know? By the time someone gets around to making a sequel to Dark Rain, though, 
Suddenly you can't yeah. you can't just make Dark Rain 2. You have to be like, okay, so we're doing this entire bespoke 3D engine with real-time lighting effects, yada, yada, yada. And I remember, like, it made for great previews. I remember reading previews mm-hmm. of Dark Rain 2. I was like, holy shit, this, game, this is going to be amazing. Like, this is going to blow the doors off of anything else that's out there in the space. And I think even you know, among its contemporaries, it was still one of the most, like, advanced looking games uh, of its era but it's a complete disaster of a game and 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 it's running into uh the arrival of creative creative assembly uh i don't know if shogun came out the year before or it was the year after but that that i think was a shogun was, a, is that was, year. A, was another game dark rain yeah, right? 2000 like I, there you go, right? Like that's a big game changer. All of a sudden, like this is this is. Wait a minute, like I remember being sold. Like, okay, it's 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 civilizations plus this plus um, Warcraft. You know, like oh, let's get let's. Let, I want that thing. Um, so I don't know. I I mean, I think it it still had two D graphics. Oh no, maybe it didn't. What? No, Dark Rain had Dark Rain two had three D graphics. No, I'm thinking about Shogun. Shogun have have 3D terrain and 2D sprites. Interesting. Okay. But, yeah. Even in 2000, you still have a lot of creative stuff coming out. We already mentioned Homeworld. We Mm -hmm. have um, Sacrifice come out that year. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, um, when was Empire Earth was in in creative? You have uh, Sudden Strike. You have, you know, even coming in 2000, 2001, you still have kind of the hangover of yeah. you know, RTS, but you're right. I mean, Robbie is right that generally, though the model is, you're a StarCraft person, you're an age person, or you're a Command and Conquer person. You're like still twelve. Some kind of weird. Yeah. No, but, uh, it's but a, a quick a quick aside on Command and Conquer fandom. What a weird thing that is, right? Because like Command and Conquer fandom basically means rolling with the fact you're dealing with completely different games, aesthetics, ideas, like philosophies yeah. between games. Like Command and Conquer Generals, like it it might as well not be a Command and Conquer game, and that's probably why it's one of the better <laughs> games in that series. <laughs> sure. Um, and, and how much you have Conan in two thousand one? So. Oh yeah, how much so, of this do you think is? is is personal too so you know maybe yeah, there course. maybe maybe there was a lot of of uh of, of interesting things i certainly don't think there was there was a, a as big a proliferation i think again like if you are going to make uh if you are going to get published by activision to make a b-tier game it was going to be in a mascot platformer or uh yeah, actually, if you were if you were an American company, you were making a mascot platform. That was what was happening then. But on a personal level, my my game playing friends and my game time shifted. Right, like in 1995 through seven or eight, even through eight, um, we played RTS. We got on our, our modems. We called each other. We played RTS. We played Defensive of the Ancients. We played um, Age of Empires. Uh, we played Myth. But by 99, 2000, that wasn't the case anymore. I'm now at university. It's now, and I think, and I think the the the, the larger, I think the the audience of game players grew. The magazine covers changed. Um, and so, like, is is it is it sour grapes? Like, do we do we feel like we got left out? 
No, I mean, like, because it's not it's not focused around resentment. Because I was enjoying a lot of that other stuff too. Um, it's just more that. So I think something that I've learned during the course of the show is that it was a great era in retrospect. But at the time, I didn't realize a lot of the stuff was was really happening. Like, I missed sure. Rise of Nations. Didn't know about it. Like, and I know oh, why. Yeah, me too. It came out in two thousand three. You know what I was doing in two thousand three? I was going to school, and like that was the year that like yeah. college got like real. Like that was the you know what I mean? Like that you know yeah. freshman year's over, sophomore year arrives, and you're like, oh wait, this is college. This is what's going to take to do anything worthwhile here. And like I basically stopped playing video games except for like the Total War series in that era, and that's it. That's it. Like there's there's like a there's mm-hmm. a four year gap, but in the entire era, there's a lot of the stuff happening in RTSs. And what am I cognizant of? cognizant of? Uh, Warcraft three, um, mm-hmm. whatever Total War is doing uh, in that time. Um, I'm cognizant of the fact that I no longer like Command and Conquer, um, mm-hmm. and I ha- didn't really warm up to uh, to Age of Empires that much because I-, I felt it was a little too turtly and a little too bloated and slow paced and just wasn't my style of thing. So that's that's what I was co- that's what I was cognizant of. And then over the course of doing this podcast, I realized like, oh shit, there's all this amazing stuff happening in this era, but me. Who wasn't you know covering video games at the time wasn't like seriously mm-hmm. into them at the time was completely unaware of it missed it entirely and doing the show I realized like oh this stuff was this stuff was happening why why didn't it do better why did why did so many things get overlooked when really I mean you know the calls coming from inside the house uh, it's that. Yeah, like the average gamer, and I was absolutely the average or below average gamer of, the, of that era. Uh, didn't hear yeah. about this stuff, or if you did, you encountered it through screenshots that weren't terribly exciting because you're in an era where, like, you know, by the time, you know, going back to like the year two thousand, um, Halos coming out at that point. Yeah. Like, what what looks awesome, Kohan or or Halo? Uh, yeah. Halo, Halo looks freaking. Did awesome. you even have? Did you have a computer that could run this stuff? I stopped I stopped upgrading my computers at at some point like through school. Yep. Like I was you know that that went to dates and beer. Yeah, uh actually so I went to school with a decent but not amazing rig. Uh it ran medieval really medieval total war really well. It ran Rome Rome total war reasonably well. And then it was done. It like you know because things were advancing insanely fast back then. It's not like now where like you can swap out your video card, you know, every three years if you really want performance, or you can leave it for longer. Who really cares? Uh, do you really need a CPU upgrade? Not so much. Probably you're probably fine. Uh, but in this era, the computer you bought in the fall could be like markedly behind the following by you know the following Christmas. Um, and it was expensive. It oh, was, yeah. I would say, far more expensive than it was now. It, yeah, it's sure. And, and I don't think that's just because we have like actual jobs. I, I, I really think it was because like that, like it was an expensive hobby. Um, and it was. The other thing is, I think in PC gaming, it sort of felt this way to me. I don't know about you guys. Once I, if when I fell out of being current with hardware trends and stuff. I kind mm-hmm. of fell out of PC gaming. Yes. Like, oh, definitely. 
like I, I I played some of my favorites, right? Like that's one reason why I can like I've I've got the mem- the map of Medieval Total War totally memorized. I didn't stop playing that stuff, but I didn't follow it as closely. That's the era when I let all my subscriptions lapse. I stopped reading websites uh, and just mm-hmm. get completely out of it. You probably did. You is that is that around the time maybe you got your first laptop? Yep. Yeah. Right. And that 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 that's exactly what it was. Uh, I. Yeah, um, and I'll tell you, I'll tell you this: uh, When do I get back into into strategy gaming? Um, I'll tell you exactly when we get in the, back into strategy game. It's uh, spring of two thousand seven. My senior thesis is submitted. Uh, I've got a new laptop. No, sorry, my girlfriend has a new laptop, a really <laughs> nice one that she got with some grant money. Um, and I see there's a new Civilization game, Civ Four, and I'm like, huh? Sure. That seems, I remember Civ 2, that was good. I wonder if Civ 4 is good. And so I I install it at a coffee shop, start playing it on a laptop, and I'm back in. Uh, But that that was the end of like the two or three year exile, but like it was a real thing. Wait, so so you skipped Civ 3? Entirely. Man, I wish I could have skipped Civ 3. (laughs) Well, see, I got super confused because I didn't think Civ 3 could be possibly be a legitimate Civ. Because I thought there was never going to be another real Civ because of the whole call to power Activision debacle sure. thing. So I completely lost track of like I didn't realize Civ three was a Firaxis game until like five years later. So we 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 come into into two thousand seven, and I just I you know like let's let's think about what the state of that is like two thousand seven. Uh, we have. I think, Dawn of I War think that might have been Call of Duty 4. I think that might have been Bioshock. Like, in terms of, like, what is dominating... Company of Heroes we comes are, up that same year. Right? So we are... Right. So Company of Heroes is... is That's the, that's the big change. Hmm. But, like, let's, let's, let's be honest here. We're at a point where this was the sort of the dark ages of platform PC ports... Right, like a lot of stuff didn't work. Uh, it was it was way worse, or it didn't come out at all. Microsoft is telling is telling us, oh, we're we're really gonna commit to to PC games. Um, and again, they things needed like big, powerful machines. Right, this was crisis. This was even Company yes. of Heroes, man. Like, well, no, you Company of Heroes on- matter because it's a game that looks as good as as Call of Duty. It's an RTS yeah. that, like, remember how that was sure. marketed? They did all the camera things down at ground level almost, as much as they yeah. possibly could to make it look like a shooter. And when, you, and when you launch the game, it goes through the cinematics, right? Like, to, to, to try to spec out your, uh, your, your, um, your rig. But I, also that year was uh, Suck Commander, Supreme Commander, which I think was really trying to go back and trying to relive some of the stuff that happened there with Total Annihilation and kind of missed. Mm. So does does that signal something pretty pretty significant there? Like we we have not like that that game was not a low budget game. It was it was it was a, a technological marvel. Which is not still, that fun. Still no, I don't know that I totally agree there. Um Oh really? Okay. I really so I I actually I actually quite like uh, Supreme Commander. 
especially the uh, once the expansion came out for it. I was thinking about this uh, this morning making coffee because I knew this was going to come up. Uh, I actually think I, I enjoy, like, among purists of the total annihilation school of thought, Subcom is still, like, the king. <laughs> I actually kind of enjoy Supreme Commander 2 a little more because I think it learns a lot of lessons from Subcom 1 and scales it back and makes it a little more manageable and makes it so that the early game isn't so such a confusing mess. Um, and I end up enjoying that one probably a little more. It's still got the things I like about Subcom, but it doesn't quite, you know, it doesn't drive me out to the middle of nowhere and leave me there for dead. Um, but I don't know. I, I kind of see, see my take on Supreme Commander and, and Troy, you're gonna have to jump in here. Cause I, cause I, I, I you know, you did the first <laughs> Subcom retrospective show. Uh, right. and that's, and that's the reason I ended up getting Supreme Commander and getting into that game. But the way, the way it read to me was I played Supreme Commander and the part of me, the arrested like adolescent that was still really into total annihilation. Uh, I saw Supreme Commander and I was like, oh, they finally did it. This is what the ent- the game was supposed to be the entire time. This is the thing that was underneath that design. And I love it. Um, and that was that was my take. And I, I thought it was kind of fun as hell. Yeah, I agree. Um, I mean, I was never a Total Annihilation fan. So for me, the best Total Annihilation is still Age of Mythology because it's a better game. Uh, but if you want a game like that, yeah, Subcom 2 is, you know, it's not as not as fiddly, not as annoying, it's clear. Uh, I think, you know, Subcom and Subcom 2 had pretty good campaigns, uh, but they had kind of neat features. I liked the way you could zoom out really, really far. Uh, they they didn't I, they didn't tax my system as much as Total Annihilation did back at the time. Computers were better built. Um, so I... I if I had if I had a gun to my head and had to pick a total annihilation like game, it would still be Subcom too. Uh, absolutely. Um, if that's what you wanted to hear. I think you're right. Well, there you go. I stand. I, think you're I, right. I, I stand. I stand corrected. Uh, but I think I think my point was I. I it wasn't. I certainly don't think it was a, a large commercial success. Oh, or am I? Am I? The, am I super I don't wrong, think. But... I don't think it was a huge commercial I mean, success. Okay. I don't think it was a flop because there's a, an expansion and an right. entire sequel, so they got something on it. Well, well, it's an, ex- it, they, it's an they expensive got, they, game. I'm sure it was an expensive got, game to make. Yeah, and and you know they they you know I'm uh, unfortunately they closed not 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 long after. Um, so the Gaspar Games uh, wasn't able to 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 keep doing that. So I would suggest that you know that is a a pretty good indication that uh, of a of a market contraction of a, of a of in 1997. You know we have our our uh, you know our our landmark games that sort of usher that sort of signal a golden age where anyone can sort of come in. And if you have a three out of three out of five, you can still, um, you know, be successful and still be remembered and still have a podcast about, but, uh, not long after, like we're only talking, I don't know, five years later. No, I guess no more like 10 years later. Uh, we're at the point, well, not even ten years. Wow, maybe I don't know. Like that—that that no longer is a thing to the point where the Chris Taylor can't can't keep going. I mean, but the, I mean, can you make a? Could you make a B level game then, and then still continue? I mean, what did Orin do after mm. Dark Raid? 
Uh, Dark Rain 2. <laughs> no, because Dark Rain 2 was made by Pandemic. Okay. Or there's some, no, there's, no, there's a lot of lot overlap between there's, there's, a lot, overlap. there's a lot of overlap. But I mean, Orin goes on and they make train simulators. Right. Okay. Well, talk um, about being, a, being too ahead of the curve. Yeah. <laughs> you're just you're just a few years late to the, the, the not it just it's a terrible thing to be too early to the simulator party. <laughs> and for some reason they are credited on Victoria and Empire Under the Sun and I have no idea why. What? Huh. Let's look at their Moby games. For some reason Victoria uh, is credited. They probably they probably did a port. Probably did a port. Well, I mean the Who crazy thing to Crusader, me is I'm looking at on the and Dark Crusader case. Yeah. yeah. I'm looking at the Dark Rain wiki, and I'm seeing, like, oh, it came out for Xbox in 2013. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so I'm like, wow, talk about... I don't even know, like, why? <laughs> just, what, just what? Oh, my uh, God. Because there was an E3 presentation, and they needed to say we have 150 games coming live to Xbox Live downloads or something like that. Yeah. That's why. I can't imagine anything more dire than playing, like, Dark rain on on, uh, on, on Xbox. Oh my god, yeah. Or 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 God help it. Maybe they added Connect support. Oh. <laughs> Just, uh, but I mean, but, but even if you want to see you know, that pandemic and Dark Rain two continue, it's not like pandemic then goes and makes a bunch of RTSs, right? Oh hell no, they don't. Right. No, they don't. so it's not like you. So you can't say, oh, you can make a B, you can make a B game in nineteen ninety seven, mm. and then be yep. successful. You made a B game, and it was a B game, and you failed and went and did something else. Well, um, also, like, I mean, talking about pandemic, then you, you're talking about like what counts as a B game starts to get insane, right? Like, Saboteur yeah, becomes yes. a B game. Yeah, right. Which you know, close yeah, that I'm, studio. Yeah, I'm, rest I'm, in peace. Yeah, the pandemic has a pretty interesting history. You know, interesting history going on there. Um, Were they still Spectrum Warrior? Uh, yeah. Mm, oh man, remember? Wasn't there an entire sorted thing? Yeah. But I remember Full Spectrum hey. Warrior. They're kind of being assorted. <laughs> this, is, this has gone off the rails. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but so no, Dark I mean, Rain. I, I, yeah, I, I, <laughs> what, I'm, what I'm wondering is, you know, what do we mean that you know there's this that I mean there were a lot of RTS games that came out in 1997. Clearly, I mean we know this. We just have to look at the list. And a lot came out in 1998. And a lot came out in 1999. 1997 is a great year because of the you know three or four amazing first-rate games that came out. Um, towards the end of that year, and Dark Rain, yeah, and Rob's right; it is very emblematic of that type of game uh, in the middle of that period. But I don't think it was necessarily, you know, a game that a lot of people played. I'm not sure it did very well at all. It is interesting from a design perspective, I think, more than from a you know business history perspective. It's just one more RTS from a company that did not make. Many more RTSs, but added things like, oh, like look at the, I mean, really neat. Some, I don't think it's a good game. I think it's a bad game. But I mean, yeah, look at the infiltrator unit, right? Why don't games have where? Where did that idea come from? And where did it go? The idea of sneaking a unit into an enemy base and then it would steal templates so you could build their units. That's a genius little idea that kind of went nowhere in the RTS space. Why did no one steal that? Was anybody playing Dark Rain? Were <laughs> there even designers playing Dark Rain? Because I mean, that's a great idea. It hasn't been stolen. Hasn't I would, been adapted. I, dude, I can just imagine. I, I also kind of wonder, I mean, to what extent... So that's an era where 
you're probably not going to have a multiplayer community community getting in your face too much about like the state of balance of the game because like the internet barely works. So you kind of release your game, and again, it's all toys. Like nobody's gonna give like nobody's gonna have any idea what the win rate is. Like I'm like among my friends and I who played that game over over land and stuff like that, we had like we had no idea who was stronger, who was weaker, what the what the meta of, of Dark Rain actually was. None of us had a clue about any of that stuff. I bet you now, like like why doesn't the unit like the infiltrator pop up more often? Uh, probably because there's a ton of inhibition about releasing it's something. Broken. Yeah, like like yeah. any designer is probably the blood will just drain from their face. Like wait, so you sneak this thing into their base, and then you can build their units too? Well, that's just a non-starter. That's 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 crazy. Um, and I think that's something you kind of can get away with in this era because like really, who's going to hold you to account for it? Yeah, they can fix it or adapt it, or at least. But but even like in the late '90s, early 2000s, no one was doing these things. Um, you know, and I was trying to think what was how many other games at the time had uh, infinite resources. I mean, Cossacks is after this, I believe. Something else, uh, and this is one of the things I actually really like about Dark Rain: the fact that the entire thing is driven by these little water uh, oases. And you get the, the the water pad launcher where you send your water into space for money. Um, what I liked about having those water watering holes basically to send your your trucks to 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 fill up and, and run back to the uh, to the the water pad. It actually kind of anticipated what Relic would decide to do later with all their ground based RTSs at least, which was force people to fight over locations on the map. Like not a not a field of resources where you'd harass each other's harvesters, um, not a series of like base locations with a patch of minerals or a mine sitting in the middle of it and you you sort of plant a new base there and that's what you're supposed to do. Dark Rain's very much like you, you sort of have your central base, but then you've got all these little conflict points uh, over trying to get access to fresh water. Uh, trying to get access to basically the, the the resource on the map, and so it would force people into fighting. Uh, I think this was another reason why it doesn't end up. Why at least when I was playing it the first time around, it didn't become such a build and rush RTS, is because really there was a ton of skirmishing over these locations all the time. They became these like points that 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 forced the factions into battling each other uh, again and again in a small space. You couldn't just roll across the map. First, you needed to hold these these water these watering holes, uh, and then you could win the economic game, and then you could make the push uh, into their base. And that was, in my head at least, that's actually kind of different from a lot of the other resourcing uh, models you've you've got in this era. Uh, and it made fortifications uh, more viable because you could stake out, you could you could control access to these locations. I thought all that stuff was was really really cool, and it's it's commonplace now. But back then it wasn't. Yeah, they had a lot of really cool ideas. It's still not a good game. And it shows how many, I don't think it's a good game. I didn't have fun playing it. Um, but it does show that, you know, even, you know, games that aren't really necessarily good or fun could have a lot of really good and interesting and forward-thinking ideas. And I think that's kind of what where Dark Rain sits for me. It's, you know, a game that is clearly of its era in very many ways, but also forward-thinking in a way that a lot of other RTSs certainly weren't. Uh, that 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 Zed it wasn't, um, or that you know I don't I can barely remember KKND. 
Uh, that one I remember far more fondly. I don't know why. why. No, you need to. You... Uh, probably because I was so metal. Crush, <laughs> <laughs> kill, and destroy. Yeah. Yeah. Watch like probably because it because it sounded like KFMDM. Oh man, what on earth? You uh, like there's there's a K candy like tattoo on you somewhere. Uh, <laughs> I'm a tough I'm a tough guy. Uh, yeah, I mean. Something else that, that jumped out at me as I as I played this as well. Um, I forgot the degree to which games of this era needed to have rich lore and backstories behind them. Like, man, it's it's kind of in like almost charming the degree to which a lot of games of this era have like in-game wikis telling you all about their history. Um, that just seems. I don't know. There's sort of a naivete uh, about about games of this era where it's like, no, no, no. You really need to know why the orange guys are fighting the silvery guys. You, you really want to know the, the history of conflict in this universe uh, in order to fully appreciate this game about smashing tanks into each other. It really never goes away in a lot of these games, does it? I mean, only now we do it in cutscenes. Uh, yeah, except for all the games that can't really afford many cutscenes. Um, yeah, <laughs> I mean, did, 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 didn't Grey Goo have lore? Grey Goo had Grey Goo had pretty rich lore. Grey Goo is a weird thing because it was meant to launch an entire fictional universe uh, that I've never heard about ever since that game came out. But uh, Grey Goo was was a weird thing. Like Weta Workshops was brought in to consult on uh, on their world design, world building. Um, oh really? Oh yeah. Uh, no, there was an entire like thing around Grey Goo that that ended up not happening. That's so sad. Yeah, it 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 really does uh, kind of break my heart. But uh, I don't know. Like it's to to me. Like we discuss. We we do a lot of classic game analysis. We discuss a lot of the all time greats. Um, I think there is something to be gleaned from looking at representative mediocrity. Um, and I actually think Dark Reign is a little better than mediocre. Like I actually still enjoyed revisiting it a. a I think more than you guys did, uh, less than I hoped I would, uh, but more, but more than you guys did. Uh, but in particular, I think it's just it's useful to remember sort of the state of the genre before it was uh, rewritten by all those games we remember all the time. All right, that'll that'll do it for uh, that'll do it for Dark Rain, uh, and as as history unfolded, uh, perhaps an, an entire model of of RTS. Uh, Three Moves Ahead is produced as always by Michael Hermes and is hosted on the Idle Thumbs Network. You can learn more about the show and discuss this episode with our community at threemovesahead.net or follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash three ma. Uh, finally, Three Moves Ahead is supported by listeners like you on patreon this topic in particular was brought to you by our patreon backers during our monthly topic vote uh, if you've been enjoying our show please consider contributing at patreon.com slash 3ma and rate and review us on itunes uh, we'll be back next week with another episode of 3ma until then for troy and david this is rob zachney saying good night <laughs>